We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. And it's simple offense. Set the screen and roll. Cross the switch. Get out of my way. Paul for three. Bang! the timeline of phoenix suns podcast i can't believe i can't even believe i'm going to say this but the phoenix suns are up 1-0 in the nba finals after beating the milwaukee bucks 118 to 105 my name is mike i'm here with sam sam how you doing why why is that so unbelievable did it's you just, did you doubt still going pin- into game I, one <laughs> i'm still pinching myself that this is even um reality at times like it's just it's just hard to believe uh that we're here it's just weird man this was a weird game because i this did not feel to me like a finals game sometime uh, this is okay how do i say this, this it's is because gonna, the suns are in it <laughs> it's a because the suns are in it but b i was really impressed with how the suns played tonight and yeah. I think there were, I'm really glad. First of all, we talked about this in our pregame spaces. We're doing those again. I was really glad to see Giannis play in the first place. And he came out of the gate and impressed me in the first couple yeah, he, quarters. he looked like Giannis. With yeah. his mobility. I mean, he, you know, a lot of issues there too. Um, and, and issues that I'm not even necessarily holding against him. Some I guess I can, some I won't. I, I guess what was confusing about this game is like, the Suns are this inexperienced team. Even Chris Paul has never been here before. And even when the lead got down to four, six, eight points at times, especially in that second half, they were in, they were in control, right? Uh, yeah. They did not look like a team that just got here for the first time. And I think that's what blew me away, uh, blew me away most. Time and time again, we have seen this Suns team get out to a big lead the other team chips away at that lead and even in some in some instances threatens to take the lead and the suns respond time and time again i 
I almost admonished some Suns fans at the end of the season just to remind them of how good this Suns team was in the clutch. Technically, they were the best team in the NBA in the clutch in the regular season. They were the best team in the NBA on the road in the regular season. They were the best team in the NBA against winning teams in the regular season. They are just a good team. And look, there have been times in the playoffs that guys needed to step up in order for the Suns to win. Role players needed to do something remarkable. Guys like Cameron Payne needed to do something remarkable. In this game, the Suns' three best players, and even extend it to their four best players, carried this team to victory tonight. Chris Paul, 32 points, nine assists. Devin Booker, 27 points, six assists. DeAndre Ayton, 22 points, 19 rebounds. And that's what won it in this game. And then we can throw in Mikael Bridges there, who had one of his better games offensively that he's had in a while. I was going to say you're going out on a limb there and calling him our fourth best player. Which I think it's pretty obvious. I, you, you I, don't <laughs> I would have agreed that it's obvious in the regular season. I'm not always sure. It's it's just a weird crew. It kind of someone someone different steps up yeah. every night. The top three. I mean, that's fair to say. The top three were phenomenal. I mean, all four guys were good, but the top three can't disagree with any of that. The thing that's remarkable about this Suns team is they always have the answer to whatever you throw at them. It's strategically it does not matter if you play if you switch, they're going to get they're going to pick on the worst matchup on the court at all times, whether that be Brooke Lopez or Bryn Forbes, which we saw both of those things happen tonight or even Bobby Portis at times when Chris Paul was just kind of taking it to Bobby Portis over and over and over again. If you start to drop, you know what they're going to do. They're going to get into that mid-range area. If you help in that mid-range area, they're throwing a lob to DeAndre. And if you don't help, they're shooting that mid-range. And if you do anything else, if you try and hedge and recover, which they didn't try to do in this game, they have an answer to that. If you try and trap, they have an answer to that. It's just a remarkable team. And it's Chris Paul, ultimately, right? It's, It's the mind of Chris Paul at the very top of this that just exemplifies a team that just has every single answer. It's remarkable. I know people go overboard with the whole Chris Paul leadership stuff. And, you know, I think us as a pod, we've done a good job of, of giving guys the respect that they deserve outside of Chris Paul. That being said, that guy's irreplaceable, just totally irreplaceable with what he does. And tonight, 32 points, uh, four rebounds, nine assists, 12 of 19 shooting. Where do you think it ranks uh, among... I mean, he's had some stellar performances already in the playoffs here. I think you got to put the 41-point closeout win he just yeah. had over the Clippers. That was his best game. And then he also had a 37-point win closeout, uh, or 37-point closeout win game against Denver, right? So, like, I think those are the top two. But this one's, it's not far behind. This is another, like, top three great performance from Chris Paul, a legendary performance from Chris Paul here in Game 1 of the Finals. You know he's been waiting on this moment. For 16 years, he finally relished it. And I woke up this morning. I said on Twitter, you know what? This smells like a Chris Paul game to me. He's yeah. not going to come out. He, he's going to come out in the first quarter. He's going to push the pace. I, I thought pace was going to be a big thing for them. And mm-hmm. and I was encouraged by the pace that we saw towards the latter half of that Clippers series, that that would be something he'd be uh, willing to embrace. So I was happy to see that. But wasn't exactly looking for his own shot uh, in the way that that you expect. That's typically something that comes from Chris Paul later in games when he really, he, he smells blood, basically, and he, you know, uh, assumes that he can kind of just yeah. kill you in the water. So, yeah. uh, you know, at, the, at that point, he took over, had a tremendous third quarter, and ended with, uh, yeah, man, 32-9. and nine, uh, uh, Just another all-time great Suns performance from the legend there. 
it's the finals. I mean, I, after, after this is all said and done, we can go back and we can start to rank these games because like they, they all matter within the context of what happens before and after them. If they win the title, uh, different things will matter in different ways. But ultimately this was his first game ever. Chris Paul's first game ever in the NBA finals. And he had 32 points, nine assists and just two turnovers and was plus 17 and just absolutely controlled it, controlled the offense at every single moment while he was on the floor. He knew exactly what they were going to throw at him. He had a counter to every single thing. And there was really no moment where I felt like he was a step behind what they were doing. And that's that's the whole, you know, uh, this, this podcast could practically be, the name of the podcast could be changed to This Is Why You Trade for Chris Paul, essentially, because we <laughs> talk about it all the time. Yeah. And this is one of those This Is Why You Trade for Chris Paul games because just being able to see and read the defense and exactly what they're doing, because they started out switching, just just for people to understand, I guess we should break it down. They started out switching on the Suns, and that ended up with essentially Brooke Lopez guarding the two best players on the Suns over and over and over and over again. And they found ways to capitalize on that. They were scoring from mid-range. They were scoring at the rim, including Chris Paul getting to the rim, something he's been reluctant to do all season. And then uh, after they start... After the Bucks finally adjusted, they played their more traditional drop defense, right? It's kind of the opposite of what we predicted on our last podcast. It actually is. It. it actually is, yeah. Including, by the way, putting uh, Aiton on Giannis to start the game and then going to Jay Crowder later in the game. Uh, but yeah, on offense, the Suns had to adjust to the drop defense by by the Bucks and they, the Suns just have so many options in that drop defense. If you help on the mid-range, you can get the lob, you can get the corner, and if you don't help, the Suns players are going to get that mid-range shot over and over and over again. So no matter what they threw at Chris Paul or Devin Booker, they knew exactly how to counter it. Yeah, and the big thing that breaks open the game in the first place is when they're switching, it's essential that your superstars play like superstars. That's the thing that's traditionally stopped the Suns in the past. Not that Chris Paul and Devin Booker aren't good players, but if you can get them to be a little bit less efficient, then you can hope to to switch and kind of just keep the ball yeah. in front, not allow the Suns to get in rotations. That's traditionally the thing that kills you if you're a team playing the Suns. But if Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to go out there and just hit every mid-range shot over Brooke Lopez, like you said, yeah, eventually Bud had to scramble for an adjustment. The only adjustment he could think of was going back to their traditional drop scheme. And that just, I mean, that worsened the bleeding for them at that point. They just could not find an answer. Um, for either Chris Paul or Devin Booker, they both played really well. Yeah. And here's the stat. I think this one is you can attribute to the pace, which you, you pointed out, to start the game. The Suns were playing fast, and they really never let up on that. They were really pushing the pace until maybe halfway through the fourth quarter. They just started slowing it down when the clock was on their side. Um, and then also, I think the switching, this was sort of a disadvantage for the Bucks. When you switch big guys out onto Chris Paul or Devin Booker, they can force you to foul. And that ended with the Suns getting 26 free throw attempts, and they shot 25 for 26. There's not a lot of games in the playoffs where the Suns won the free throw battle. The Bucks shot 9 for 16 from the free throw line. The Suns shot 96% from the free throw line. The Bucks 56% from the free throw line, basically because Giannis went 7 for 12. The rest of the team went 2 for 4. So I think the Suns winning the free throw battle, in a sense, the Suns have to win these smaller battles, right? They, their goal is, I think, to win the possession battle, which is a little harder against a team that can rebound as good as the Bucks. 
And then if you can win the free throw battle, like on the margins, those things will matter a lot. So the Suns being able to find ways to capitalize on that and get to the free throw line and then miss one, by the way, the one guy, can you, if you're not looking at the box score, can you guess who the one guy to miss a free throw was? For the Suns? Yeah. Uh, I do. I actually don't know. Was it Jay Crowder? Yes. <laughs> he, he had a, he had a shitty night. Um, oh, for eight, <laughs> Oh, for five from three, but one see, for two from the free throw line and with one point. But this is the power of Jay Crowder. It's the worse yeah. he, the worse he plays, the better he's guaranteed <laughs> to play in the next game. So he'll be, he'll be fine. He'll yeah. average out. He'll average out to his 10 points per game this series. So he gave us what, what how many points did he have? One? One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll have 19 next game. 19 exactly. points for Jay Crowder. I'm setting the over under for Jay Crowder <laughs> next game at 19 points because he always has to finish the series at around 10 points per game. Yeah. It balances out from game to game. He'll be fine. Um, the Bucks, man, are kind of in trouble, right? Like, I think it's it's pretty discouraging if you're a Bucks fan and you're looking at this box score right now and Giannis played and and again I don't hold Giannis only took 11 shots tonight Middleton took 26 that is not an equitable division of labor between those guys but I don't blame Giannis for that because I I didn't expect him to be 100% but I think when you look at that box score first of all the fact that Middleton took 26 shots zero free throws um, the fact that Drew Holiday did his best impression cosplaying as uh, the invisible man from that movie with Elizabeth <laughs> Moss last year. Um, those things combine. And then you look at the Bucks; like they played guys like Brent Forbes. They played guys like Jeff Teague who were able to yeah. hit threes. They shot 44% yeah. from three. But the yeah. thing is, Mike, they put themselves in a very vulnerable position there. I mean, Brooke is, Brooke is out there struggling on one end to keep the ball in front against when, when they switch. And then at the point guard position, you've got these really small little guys who who maybe need to be out there because they're they're the only guys hitting threes outside of Middleton. Yeah. But again, if you're going to switch, you're just going to concede Bryn Forbes and Jeff Teague switching onto Devin Booker. It just seems like a recipe for disaster. And I don't know. There there appears to be a real personnel issue for the Bucks here, where if they lost this game by 13, shooting 44% from deep without Giannis, would be no worries in my mind. They would come back. But for them to lose this game, even being on the road, uh, sh- we talked about how they've been shooting 31% from three in the playoffs. It's dead last. They're dead last among all playoff teams in wide-open threes. Well, tonight was a game where they actually hit their wide-open threes, and they still lost yeah. by 13. That is a troubling sign. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think you, you start. it starts with Brooke Lopez, right? Because I think the issue with the Bucks is the guys that they play and the question, in a, in a lot of ways, is can they play them against the Suns? Let me read to you the last few games, minutes-wise, just how many minutes Brooke Lopez played for the Bucks. 38 minutes, this is against the Hawks. 38 minutes, 37 minutes, 28 minutes, 24 minutes, 23 minutes. Tonight, versus the Suns, he played 23 minutes, essentially tying the lowest amount of minutes that he was able to play against the Atlanta Hawks. They, they just wow. they could not keep him on the floor against the Phoenix Suns. Why? Well, the Suns have two guys and potentially three guys if Cameron Payne gets going that can attack him on switches that make him difficult to play against the Suns defensively. And then offensively, yes, you can put Jay Crowder on Brooke Lopez and then you can say, well, maybe he can get going offensively and put some pressure on the Suns that way. That kind of is an advantage to the Suns because then you're taking the ball out of three-point shooters' hands who they've, they obviously have been struggling to shoot threes, shot well in this game, and uh, and you're taking the ball out of Giannis' hands, right? 
because Aiton's guarding Giannis. Aiton, by the way, another incredible night for him. We'll have to get to him next here. But if you can't play Brook Lopez, who do you play? You play Bobby Portis? No, you can't play Bobby Portis. I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker are picking on Bobby Portis. And then you look at the bench, Bryn Forbes, there there was a series of plays against Bryn Forbes where the Suns targeted him five or six plays in a row and he could not play defense. So that's three guys that you're looking at. They played nine guys tonight, including a starter, where you have to question whether or not they can play minutes against the Phoenix Suns. I'm not going to get too confident here, I uh, but I would call that a problem for the Bucs. I, I kind of think they're going to go to Bobby Portis, right? They might have to. Uh, they Or they I, might just stick with Brooke. I mean, Brooke's going to play 20, 24 minutes. I, I want to be clear. I don't think Brooke was, like, terrible tonight. He shot 7 of 14. He hit three threes. He had 17 yeah. points. His playoff high this season, right? Three and, threes. All right, his playoff high. But, like, that's what he's out there to do. He shot three for five. There are going to be games where Booker and Paul aren't hitting those shots so easily. So, like, I don't, I don't blame their failures on Brooke Lopez exactly, but... But yeah, they're they got to do something. They're in trouble. You heard Ty on our preview pod say that, like you know, against that Brooklyn series, they had six guys who were capable of staying on the floor. Right? This was this was for anyone who didn't listen to that episode. This was his argument for Pat Connaughton um, having his jersey retired by the Bucks, as that he was one of those six guys who could stay on the floor. He played twenty eight minutes tonight. So maybe they do just continue to consolidate and like it's the finals. Just. We know Giannis is hurt, but put as much pressure on his shoulders, as much load on his shoulders as you possibly can, and ride him, Middleton, Holiday, uh, P.J. Tucker's going to be out there, Connaughton's going to be out there. That's five. And then a little bit of Portis, a little bit of Lopez. That's kind of your entire rotation. But the, but again, like then you need everyone to step up and hit their threes. If you're not going to play Forbes, you're not going to play Jeff Teague much. It's just tough. I, I just don't think this team matches up on the Suns all that well, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the Suns learned a lot of lessons in the previous round, uh, previous few rounds uh, on how to attack individual mismatches defensively that kind of advantages them in a lot of ways offensively against the Bucks. And yeah, it's, it's just a tough matchup for them. Paul and Booker continue to play really well off each other, to your point of what you're talking about. Because like Drew Holiday... For, you know, the shit I give him. I mean, he he had a horrible offensive night. Typically is a pretty good defensive player, but even when he tried to get into, like, Booker's face, the Suns had yeah. misdirection. They Like, they, they planned for it. We talk about this with Monty Williams oh, all yeah. the time. Is he the best in-game adjustment coach? I I don't know. I don't know that I've seen enough evidence to, to say that, really. Is he one of the best coaches in the NBA? No doubt at, like, coming in with a plan. Like, he really prepares yeah. the guys for what they need to do. Yeah, I think the initial... Um, plan the initial strategy for the Suns has been pretty much bang on in every series here and then you know you got to make little minor tweaks but the Suns were ready to like you know if if Holiday was harassing Booker the Suns were ready to work misdirection kind of load up on a strong side maybe maybe get like there was one play you know Devin Booker's uh trying to break down um the defense they load up the strong side Chris Paul's the only guy on the weak side Booker is able to break down the defense a little bit he gets them to collapse in on him puts him in a position where Chris Paul is alone on the weak side one pass away so the defense comes to help and then Paul has a wide open three and there were just like there were a lot of plays where those two were playing off each other in a really dynamic way in this game yeah which I feel like we haven't even seen I mean I think we've seen them get better at it throughout the season but I don't think we've seen them attain these heights necessarily so I, I I think a lot of the credit there goes to Monty um, a lot of the credit also goes to Chris Paul just with his poise of knowing 
when to run an isolation play for himself at, say, Brook Lopez versus when he misses a couple of those shots in a row, say in the fourth quarter, and he decides, okay, you know what? No, now's the time. we got to go back to our offense. Let's run a stack pick and roll and, like, let's, you know, Booker's going to ghost the screen. He's going he's gonna to jump out to the three-point line. We're going to get him open. And, like, we need to run a play here um, to make sure we get the most efficient shot. So I thought there was a really good balance between those two guys. And it just felt really natural. Um, in, in a way that like they were really clicking. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is it... The Hawks took this team to six games. This Bucks team. Uh, the Suns are a lot better than the Hawks. Is it stupid to just boil this down to something as, as simple as that? Because sometimes when I look at this matchup and I, and I look at what the Hawks were doing and I look at sort of the Suns roster versus the Hawks roster, and of course there were some extenuating circumstances with that Bucks-Hawks series, but I just think about how they play and how the Bucks play... And just it just feels like maybe I'm trying not to get too cocky here, I, but I yeah. just think it's not a surprise to me that the Suns had counters for the way that the Bucks were playing defense in this series. And I just I look at the type of like I guess the question for you should be, what do you think the Bucks do from here? What kind of adjustments do you think the Bucks can make to try to uh, maybe defend? First of all, defend the Suns. Uh, you know, and then attack the Suns offensively. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, they need to get Giannis more involved. Uh, Chris Middleton had four assists to five turnovers tonight, and that, that kind of just tells the whole story of, like, the initiators here. If Giannis isn't going to be in a position where he's totally comfortable um, taking the ball up the floor, maybe part of it is because of his injury, and part of it is because of the looming presence of DeAndre Ayton, right? DeAndre Ayton's so big, he can't just drive, you know, brute force style into Ayton and expect to get much out of that matchup which means you need to keep Giannis involved through the pick and roll. And that means Middleton and Drew need to be creating and allowing yeah. Giannis, placing him into positions where Giannis can finish rather than hunting your own shot. If you're Gian, um, if you're Chris Middleton, you can't be taking 26 shots to four assists. Um, in the Atlanta series, he took 20 shots a game. He averaged six and a half assists per game. I think that's a much better type of split for a guy like Chris Middleton of what you would ideally look for. And this is kind of the problem with Milwaukee is... They've got good guys, but if Giannis can't be ultimately the the primary right. play initiator, it's are the, the other the guys MVP. good enough? Right. It, he's the MVP, 
And I, I, I don't want to play a game of revisionist history here because my roommate and I actually, we were talking about this tonight. You know, Giannis is a flawed player. Um, by the way, quick shout out to the Suns crowd. Amazing what you guys were doing at the free throw yeah. line. Um, yeah. Got a huge kick out of that every time. And it worked because he shot like 50%. It was like guaranteed every time. Um, but my roommate and I were talking about this. You know, I don't want to play the game of revisionist history with Giannis's MVPs. I think it was pretty clear he was the MVP at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, always, we always knew what the flaws were. But coming into a playoff series now, this has always been the issue with the Bucks. Is your your other guys, the secondary, the tertiary ball handlers, need to be manipulative enough to get the Suns into rotations? And if they can't do that, they're not going to win this series. They're just not. Yes. Yeah, I think that you sort of identified the issue with Drew Holiday. <laughs> He's not quite a three level scorer. Uh, in the way that you think of a three-level score, obviously de- comparing him ne- to Devin Booker or Chris Paul is maybe a little bit unfair, but like for him to to manipulate the defense in the way that you're describing, you kind of have to be a threat from all areas of the court. And he can play better than he did tonight, and I expect him to play better than he did tonight offensively. Uh, but the Suns just don't appear to be entirely afraid of him uh, when he's got the ball and he's dribbling towards the basket. Now, I think he will do a little bit better at attacking the basket directly, trying to get to the rim, because I think that could open up guys like Giannis or, or things like that. Uh, but as far as the type of adjustments I think the Bucks could make, I think maybe it comes down to as simple as, do you think it's possible that they take Brooke Lopez out of the starting lineup? Now, do you start Pat Connaughton? Do you start Giannis at center? This is something they have been reluctant to do. There's just no now, series after this. There's no series after the finals. This is the NBA finals. Will they start Giannis at center and try to switch things more often and try to force the Suns to make adjustments to not necessarily having a guy they can pick on maybe outside of Pat Connaughton? So knowing Bud, I think they're not going to do that. But here's the other thing is that I think is tough about that is the Bucks are so big. Like one of the only advantages they have over the Suns is offensive rebounding, right? And and sure enough, they had nine offensive rebounds tonight to the Suns six. Maybe that doesn't feel like a major difference. Five of those came from Brooke. Well, he, so I think are one you of the really are you doesn't feel are you going to neutral? Go but are you going to neutralize that entire advantage that you have by taking him out of the game completely? Right. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point. But I think one of the reasons that doesn't feel like a big difference is because even on those offensive rebounds, if Aiton couldn't get his hands on it, his hands were in there. Uh, He was making those putback attempts difficult. He was trying to stop them from passing it out to shooters and things like that and just sort of making those offensive rebounds that the Bucs can get as uncomfortable as possible, something that I think he deserves credit for. And, And other Suns players too. I think Jay Crowder... Tori Craig are two other guys that are very good at this. Uh, but trying to disrupt those putbacks if you're not able to get your hands on the initial rebound is, I think, something that that DeAndre Ayton did well and that other guys did well on the team so far. But I, I just don't know. I think, like, if you look at Giannis and how they played in the fourth quarter, they essentially took Brooke Lopez out of the game entirely. They, they played Giannis at center. And, uh, and I think they played a little bit better defensively. The Suns were just so good on defense against those lineups that you question whether or not they think the value uh, as far as what the Suns can do defensively against that is worth maybe what the Bucks can do defensively against the Suns because I think that's really the issue that they're going to run into is that the Suns played really good defense against that lineup. Not That does not 
necessarily mean that they're guaranteed to do that in the future. But, you know, I, I give the Suns a lot of credit for playing very well against that lineup once they did finally go to Giannis at center, basically. Mm-hmm. That DeAndre Ayton guy, he's pretty good, huh? <laughs> Incredible, he played thirty. He played 39 <laughs> minutes tonight, and I guess we should address it. Darius Saric left with an ankle injury. He did <sighs> not return. Um, or was it was it was ankle? It ankle? Was it? I think no, no, it no, might no, have no, been no. knee. Might have been ah shit. I shouldn't have said anything because then I was like, what was it actually? It was either yeah, ankle, because knee, or foot. Play a multiple he pump, choice. He pump faked right and then knee. Grabbed at his leg. Yeah. It was right. It was right knee. Yeah, it's no, not he left. good. It did not you know look what? Good. I was confusing him with when Chris Paul came up and his ankle looked a little bit iffy for a sec. Um, I, no, charge left with a right knee injury. Frank came in for about two minutes uh, just to to. Only in the first half, by the way. Right, to, to hold the tide in uh, in the first half. And then from there, it was just kind of Aiton and maybe a little bit of Tory Craig. Um, but yeah. Aiton, Aiton had to play 39 minutes, which is a lot. And we need it, yeah. I mean, they need it more than ever now if Charge cannot play. And I think that's actually I, I think, an interesting point to make there, too, because what do they do? What do the Suns do when DeAndre Aiton comes out? I'm going to be real. Like, Dario's cool and all, but I don't think there's enough of a drop-off there. I think you can get away with five or six minutes of Frank just fine and then you don't think they you don't think they try to go small and just sort of dare bobby portis to beat up on them in that scenario no they might they might um it's just got to be a situation i guess where you have to match ayton on Giannis minutes and well no i mean i don't know i if i I guess if Giannis is in the game like frank's not going to do anything more to him to deter him than Tory Craig would, right? So it's like, and, and neither would Sharich. So, you know, I'm not sure that this is a, a, a super consequential injury in the grand scheme of the series, but it's just something we'll have to track. Yeah, I, um, it's not good to lose any of your depth against this team. Um, got, but yeah, I think the Suns have options. Smith. We have Jalen Smith if we need him. We'll be <laughs> yeah, all right. Got, I was hoping um, for some Javon Carter minutes tonight. Uh, it, it looked like it was going that way, and he the Bucks would be, did put up another effort there. He would be the perfect candidate to just chase Bryn Forbes around some screens um, if Bryn Forbes is going to play, like, more than 10 minutes. Uh, another quick hitter, Cam Johnson. Want to talk about him? I feel like he hasn't missed a shot in, like, five games. Now, it's not actually true. It just feels like he doesn't miss. <laughs> yeah, he missed three tonight. Yeah. I don't remember any of the misses, right? It, it's one of those things with him. It's just he comes in. He provides a punch. He doesn't play a lot, right? He played 20, 20-ish minutes in each game. Uh, but he just provides a different look offensively for the Suns and makes it difficult uh, for guys to to defend. I mean, he just runs that baseline, gets to the corner, and just catches it and launches it immediately. He's been it's, he's been incredible. He hits rhythm shots too, momentum shots. We talked about that all season, but rhythm shots hit a pull up midi in rhythm uh, on the fast break. Like it was it was like a sixteen footer, not a shot that we typically hit uh, or or see Cam Johnson take. Um, but he made it look smooth. Nice release. Jared Culver wouldn't have hit that shot. Um, so yeah, I mean, a, a good a good game from from Cam and uh, and campaign too. To talk about the other Cam, he shot four for eight from the field, had ten points. I don't think he was. Um, I don't think it was one of his best games in the playoffs, but I thought he did what what he had to do. So uh, from the Suns bench, there a good showing from at least uh, from at least two or three guys. It is kind of funny that. The Suns' two best bench players are both named Cameron. <laughs> I, I feel like we haven't talked about that enough. It's just so bizarre. They both come in. They both had 10 points in this game, right? They both shot relatively well. Cam Johnson, 3 for 6. Cameron Payne, 4 for 8. They both shot 50%. Uh, well, and they I've, just play really... They're so solid. 
I've never known this. This is maybe a stupid question. I don't know what the players call each other. They call they call Chris Paul CP. So that means they can't call campaign CP, even though it's the same initials. So I guess they just call him Cam. But then what do they call Cam Johnson? Do they also call him Cam? Yeah. That's See, this is why we need to be credentialed. This is the questions we would I ask. Really, I really wouldn't want to be credentialed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nor would they let us. But, uh, but yeah, I mean... Nor would um, we ask... Before uh, before we before we take off here, do you have any other final takeaways from what's a great game one win? Uh, any other adjustments? Uh, you know, we didn't even talk about Devin Booker, but I think uh, some people might look at his shooting, right? Um, eight for 21, one for eight from three. And maybe think that this is inefficient, but you got to remember, 10 for 10 from the free throw line. This is 27 points on 21 shots. That's extremely efficient basketball, especially from a guard. And you just have to acknowledge his ability to get to the free throw line because it's it the rest of the team struggles now that DeAndre Ayton has, has been the second best player at doing that for a while. Helps the Suns a lot. But nobody really does it like Devin Booker. And it takes a younger guy to do it because Chris Paul's not going to get to the line that often. Um, at, you know, the way that Devin Booker does especially. And I just want to give him credit for that. And, and totally. really just the three guys across the top that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, 27, 32, and 22 for Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton, respectively. All three of those guys showed up offensively and defensively, specifically DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. Chris Paul, obviously never a problem defensively, but Ayton and Devin Booker were, were both very good, especially DeAndre Ayton. Booker with those 10 free throws, like you said, just opening up everything else. Um, on offense, that's critical. And, um, yeah, I mean, if if you're out there, I don't think these people are listening to our podcast, but if you're out there and, and you were quiet uh, about the Clippers consistently doubling up the Suns on free throws every game in that series, then I don't want to hear a peep out of you right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. We'll be back after game two. Hopefully not humbled. Hopefully we can remain confident because I'm having, I'm str- I'll am i be honest, Sam, I'm struggling not having drinks during the finals. Um, yeah, well, I, I know you are. Um, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've been pretty good. Um, I'll just reiterate like the, the energy with the crowd was fucking awesome tonight. Um, yeah. Uh, I will say I love Mike Breen, um, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. I actually thought have done a decent it kills me to say this have done a decent job with their analysis however i usually don't mind like there was a situation tonight where the crowd was so loud in the first half that i literally couldn't hear anything they were saying on the broadcast (laughs) and i was like i like this keep keep this up guys because this is actually great so if you're going to game two keep it up the energy has been awesome and uh and the players definitely feed off that and i think it makes a difference yes and thank you everyone for listening to us if you haven't already check out our finals preview episode our previous episode it's still relevant today uh but yes we'll be back after game two thanks everyone for listening i saw the shots they were giving me and i was just missing them so i just kept trying to be aggressive my guys got going and campaign and all the coaches been talking about us playing with pace i'm the old head that like to slow it down sometimes but uh in this series we got to play with pace